0: Alright, well good morning everyone. Uh, it's awesome to be together when we're not together and I'm still completely not used to this uh, whole preaching to a camera thing and just being uh, separate from each other but I pray that you are uh, trusting God, continuing to believe for his goodness for your life. So um, I look forward to sharing the word this morning um, and I really wanted to touch on the heart of uh, really this sense of what to do when we don't know what to do. Uh, sometimes us as Christians, we can simply have all the right answers. Somebody can say, how are you going? And we can just put on a mask and say, you know, I'm doing really good and uh, everything's great. Everything's fine. I'm not worried. And then maybe when no one's around or maybe when we're around our family, uh, the real us comes out and the, the stress comes out and we think, where did that come from? Um, And so too often as Christians we have one answer which is the public answer and a second answer which is what we really feel. And so I really want to speak to this idea of what do we do when we don't know what to do? Uh, What do we do when we feel like God has maybe uh, abandoned us or he's too busy doing other things like, God do you really care about me and my life and my situation? Um, You know, through this pandemic, uh, the world has changed rapidly. And there's a lot of talk of, you know, we will continue to be uh, staying at home um, for the next four weeks. And then we hear comments like, actually, it could be longer than four weeks. And then maybe we hear, actually, I don't know if we will ever return to the same life we ever had. Um, Then we hear that we're going to be monitored and things are going to... Uh, increase in, in terms of that. Uh, and then we hear, actually it won't be that, it'll change. And, and my point here is that the world is constantly changing and what it can do in our hearts is it can make us think, what, what sort of future do I have? What, what is coming in the future? And we can feel this level of uncertainty like, I don't know what's coming. I don't know what to, what to trust. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to feel. And so in my experience, the last uh, couple of weeks, I know that some people are traveling really well, uh, and yet I know that others are really suffering, uh, and not, you know, just small things, but they are in absolute turmoil, uh, and that is a, a tough thing to navigate. See, what happens is we've had such a sudden change of routine. Our normal coping mechanisms, our normal pace of life and the interruptions and work and and kids and maybe you hit a point where it's all getting too much and you go to the beach but now you can't because they're shut down too. And so, so much of our coping mechanisms have changed and that can really make us struggle internally. Uh, Maybe you've noticed that some of your old vices or old addictions have come back. Things that you thought you had gotten victory over have now resurfaced again. As your heart is really saying, where am I? What is my future? Why does my future feel so uncertain? And so what do we do when we experience this pain, fear and uncertainty? Well, one thing that we do is we certainly feel a deep heaviness of heart. Uh, It can make us feel just so lost we can we can just have this gut-wrenching darkness and we and we just don't know how to even articulate it with words uh, we can feel this heaviness of heart and the other thing we do is we look for certainty and so in our desperation we, we feel like we we don't know what's going on maybe maybe it's despair and then we look for certainty because we need to know that everything's okay uh, when I was uh, A young boy, I can remember uh, waking up in the middle of the night to go and find the bathroom. I would have been maybe five or six years old. And the thing was that I was terrified of the dark. So for me to get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night was a big thing because I thought there was something under the bed. I thought there were monsters around every corner, especially in the darkness. Uh, Now, it doesn't help that I'd watched almost every horror movie by the age of six. Uh, which I do not recommend. But in my desperation, I would get up, and I remember it was about three nights in a a row, I had to go to the bathroom. And the first night I got up and I sort of ran for the bathroom and my shin smashed straight into uh, a little toy chest. Uh, And it really hurt. I remember hobbling my way down, probably woke the whole house up. Um, The next night, I was a little bit more aware and I came up and, and I felt for the wall. I thought, where's the wall? And I knew where the wall was. And then from the wall, I could get the toy chest. And then once I knew where the toy chest was, I knew that I could fumble my way across there to the door, and then I could hit the light switch on. And I was thinking about that illustration, uh, that example of what I did when I was younger. And that's what my heart does today. In the midst of darkness, in, in the midst of uncertainty. I look for something that is firm and familiar and secure. Something that I know. I knew where the wall was and then I knew my place in the world. I knew that the wall was there, the toy chest, then the light, then the door. And that's exactly what so many people are doing right now. They are looking for a sense of certainty. They are looking for direction. They are looking for leaders. They are looking for Um, ideas maybe they're looking to the science because if they know the science then they have certainty and everybody looks for certainty a different way you know I wonder what would it look like for us as Christians if our familiarity and certainty came from Christ if if that was what was familiar if that was what was certain in our lives what would our hearts look like maybe we wouldn't feel as desperate as we do Well, we're going to turn to Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13 uh, as we consider this idea of looking for certainty in uncertain times. And this is going to speak really to the problem and the answer. Uh, You know, this reveals to us both the problem and the answer and it shows us the state of our hearts when we uh, are, are completely uncertain. So it says here, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So think of the imagery here. Think of the picture. We have a a stream of living water in our relationship with God. Uh, This is much like the stream we would have looked at a few weeks ago now in the book of Revelation. Um, You can go back and and see uh, what that was all about. But there's this picture that we have access to abundant life. Unlimited blessing from God uh, directly to our soul. Something that would nourish us. Something that would encourage us from the very throne of God for his people. And so we have this option to have this living water. But we've chosen to not have that living water. We've dug our own broken cisterns. Uh, These cisterns were uh, not even like wells. They were just small containers that were dug into the ground. Uh, And if they were broken, if the bottom was cracked, they could not hold water. They had to be sealed well. And this picture here really is that we, in our desperation, when we don't know what to do, we we look for something. We dig our own cisterns. We look to provide for ourselves. And this says something about the state of our heart. Really, this says that we think that we know more than God what is good for us. We, we truly do. We can say all the cute Christian answers and we can say I'm, I'm trusting God and I'm believing and we can say all of that, but God knows the state of our heart. And what this shows us is that our heart oftentimes goes back towards the brokenness of saying, God, I know what I need more than you do. Uh, essentially, this is the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden. Uh, God says, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan deceives them with some measure of truth. He deceives them and uh, and they eat. And they basically are saying, despite what God says, I know what I need. And that's what we do in this time. We, we reject God's wisdom. We reject the living waters. And we dig for these things, things that... Edify us for a short moment, but they don't last, and so then we dig new systems, and we dig another system, and we end up by the end of our lives, uh, which I'm nowhere near right now. Um, I I think I'm pre-midlife crisis. I'm in that realm somewhere, but we get to these points where we are so exhausted by the end of our life because we are digging broken systems again and again, and then when 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 that runs out, maybe we run to success. And then we realise that success isn't giving us truly what we need. We run to new and different and ever-changing systems. So that is the problem. Our heart forsakes God and, uh, and goes to other things. You know, many of us can say that we are Christians. You know, we, we identify as being Christians, but it's almost like an academic exercise. Uh, we, we say, yes, I'm a Christian, I believe... In the Christian faith, uh, you know, I believe it holds up to, uh, to rigorous examination. Um, but a lot of us can't say that experientially. And your heart doesn't want an acad- academic definition of what Christianity is. In uncertain times, your heart needs an experience with God. You need to be somebody who has drunk from these living waters that the Bible promises us that we can have from God. And so I want to encourage you this morning, what what is it that you believe about God? Do you believe that He is the living waters? Do you believe in your heart, not just your head? Do you believe that that He is the one that sustains you? That He is the one who wants to supply your every need? Even when life is chaotic and everything seems to be going wrong, uh, our disasters can often be God calling us closer to Himself In relationship, Uh, A. W. Tozer says this uh, fascinating thing. He says what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So, what you think in your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us. In fact, I I would add to that, and I would say that um, you know it's not just what you think about God that is the most important thing about you. But, but what, what, what does that actually do to your heart? You know, um, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. But what, what does that then do? do? Do you think in your mind, everything is, uh, everything is struggling, everything is hard. And then do you actually say, God is drawing me closer to him. God loves me. Or do you think God has rejected me? Or do you think God is not real? You know, when you think about God, do you think uh, everything's going really poorly for me right now? You know, God is distant from me. Is that what you believe about God? Or do you believe that he is loving, that he draws us closer, and sometimes he draws us through difficult times? The next thing I would ask you is then, does the thought that you have about God make you come to him, run from him, or keep him at a safe distance? So if you think about what do you think about God, and now does that knowledge make you run from him, run to him, or maybe kind of keep him in close proximity but not too much? Uh, sometimes we have God at arm's length, um, and that doesn't help us to live uh, in close proximity to him. we going to turn to John chapter 7 reading from verse 37 and 38. Uh, we see here the context that Jesus is, um, the context here before we get into the scriptures, Jesus is having a feast uh, with, with the people around him. And he's partaking of this feast called the, the Feast of Booths uh, or the Feast of Tabernacles uh, or the Feast of Sukkot. Uh, Now, I don't profess to be uh, an expert in uh, Jewish history or anything like that, but I've done my best to understand the context here. So let's read these words of Jesus and then understand them in their context. From verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. See, the picture that I see described there is very different than just simply some Christian platitudes. You know, this is saying that if we are in close proximity to Jesus, if we believe in him as the scriptures have said, so Jesus is not divorced from his scriptures if we believe in Jesus as the scriptures reveal him to us, the scriptures are the self-revealing uh, letter of God. He reveals who he, he is through his scriptures. If we believe in him according to the word of God, living waters shall flow out of us uh, that we would have from him. And this is fascinating giving the context. Jesus was at this Feast of Booths uh, and this Feast of Booths was really Uh, commemorating the time that Israel were were in the wilderness. And uh, and they were to make these shelters for themselves. Uh, They were to make these frail little shelters uh, in close proximity to the temple. Uh, And it was to represent the presence of God. God wanted the Israelites to know that even though they were exiled, that even though they were in the wilderness, that they were in the desert, that they still had the presence of God with them, and so what uh, the Israelites would do, and the Jewish people, they would hold these feast uh, every year, uh, right at the time when their harvest was uh, taken in, and uh, and their their barns were full of produce. They would take all all of that knowledge, and they would they would realize that we have plenty in our barns, and so rather than becoming full of themselves, they would go to this feast. And at this feast, they would pray that God would bless them with rain. They would thank God for his provision. And so a huge uh, theme of this feast was praying for rain for the next harvest, praying that God would supply the rain. Uh, Just like the Israelites were praying for God's provision in the wilderness, in the desert. See, in, in a desert, if you don't have rain, you don't have a certain future. Uh, you, you can't have any promise of a secure future if you don't have rain. And that's what this feast was. It was about reminding the hearts of the people that it is God who is your provider. It is not the Australian government. Uh, you know, It is not your boss. It is not the people you look to. It is God who is your ultimate provider. And they would spend this time in temporary dwellings, praying for rain, asking God for Provision, and it is in that context that Jesus Himself stands up on the last day of the feast. You know, we read that again on the last day of the great uh, of the feast, the, the great day. Uh, Jesus stood up and cried out, "If anyone thirsts, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water." You know, I wonder through this time, have you given yourself to digging broken wells more than you've given yourself to come to Jesus? You know, when we ask the question, "What do we do when we don't know what to do?" For Christians, we we see that we come to Jesus. Uh, we believe in Him as the Scriptures have told us. We we simply come to Him, knowing that we can drink from Him. What? amazing imagery he has given us on the great day of this feast Jesus stands up and basically proclaims that he is the fulfillment of everything that feast spoke about in Jesus we have a secure future in Jesus uh, we don't have to worry about tomorrow we know that it's taken care of in fact um, you know you've heard this saying before but I don't know what the future holds but I know the one who holds the future Now, that is really a a cute little platitude that can seem very cliché, but it's cliché for a reason because it's completely and utterly true. You know, we don't know what the future may or may not hold, um, but we know who holds the future. We know that if we come to Jesus, we can drink from him and receive this life uh, abundantly. And then the scripture goes on to basically say that that will become a river in us that other people can partake of as well. So not only do you spend time with Jesus, but other people around you will benefit from uh, that life that that would give, the clarity that you will have, uh, the confidence that you will have about the future, that you're not running around living in fear as other people may be, uh, but you have confidence because you've been with God. Um, You know, it's interesting because it's very similar to our situation Our bodies, like these dwellings, our body is a temporary dwelling. Uh, You know, if this is my permanent home, then I'm incredibly disappointed with all of the aches and creaks and different things that this body has. You know, this is our temporary home. Uh, We too, living on this earth, we are in an exodus of sorts. We are not yet at the promised land. We are awaiting the final return of our Messiah and our King, And we are waiting for our promised land, just like the Israelites were. The Israelites were waiting for their promised land. For 40 years, they wandered in the desert, but they didn't wander in the desert without the presence of God. They had God's presence, and so do we. We are wandering around on this earth until that great day that we get to walk the streets paved in gold, that we get to sit and stand and live in the presence of God all day, that the presence of God will be so great on that day that we won't need the sun anymore. I mean, that's a big deal for me because I'm addicted to the sun. So how good will the presence of God be in our life? And I want to say to you, we're not there yet. We are not yet at our promised land. We too have uh, these fragile, temporary dwellings that long for their maker to return. So Jesus simply says, come to me. Let's uh, finish in Matthew Chapter 11 verse 28 to 30. Jesus says, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." You know, I'll stop there for a moment. Sometimes we want to complicate everything. You know, if there's a a simple answer, you know, you give it to a person, they'll complicate it for you. We we're, we're oftentimes looking for the most complex Difficult answer. And yet Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a great promise. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know about you, but in in this moment, and I pray every moment of our lives, we need to come back to Jesus. Uh, We need to come to him and and take on his burden. You know, some of us are more stressed through this pandemic than God himself is. We think we have that measure of control. We're we're worried about this and worried about many things, but we've just got to come to Jesus, come back to him. You know, and so I want to ask you today, how are you spending time with God? It's great to say that I believe that there is a God and the Bible would say that's great. Even Satan believes that there's a God. Even the demons believe there is a God and they probably know more of the scripture than we do. You know, we believe in God, but what are we doing to experience God? What are we doing to put ourselves daily in the word of God, to put ourselves daily in prayer? So that we're not tempted to dig these broken systems of our own uh, efforts, things that we think we need. Why don't we develop some sort of daily rhythm? Uh, these are not a work so that we can be saved. We know that all of the works for our salvation was done by Christ alone. But what are we doing to um, to actually foster the relationship with God? You know, consider those of you who are married. You may have a wedding. Uh, You may have a marriage certificate that says that you are technically married. Now, does that mean that you never spend time with your spouse, that uh, you don't do things for them? I know after this uh, live stream is done, I have one job and that job is to make my wife uh, a cup of coffee. Um, You know, that is my job. I know that I have to serve and I have to engage with her. It's not good enough that I just have a certificate. And too many Christians, through the stress of their lives, are sort of going, I am a Christian. I've got the certificate. But we've lost that communion with God. You know, just the same as your marriage. It's not just that you are married. It's not that you run around saying, look at me. I'm married. Look at this. How great is it? What level of communion have you got with your partner? What's the level of intimacy that leads to love and affection and a sense of well-being and comfort uh, in your heart? And that's what God is doing for us. God is saying, yes, you were saved. But what about the communion? If you would only come to Christ, you would be able to drink from him and receive from him uh, these living waters. Um, So, you know, you can do that many ways. Um, A couple of ideas that i would written down here was you can do daily prayer. Uh, You can daily read your Bible. Uh, Maybe fasting, you know, maybe that's a way for you to deny yourself and spend time in prayer with God. What about deep contemplation of biblical truth? Uh, Maybe not reading 10 chapters and and thinking, oh, look, I did it and treating your time with God like another task to be done. Uh, What about taking enough scripture that you can digest and sitting on that truth until it really sinks into your heart? Um, here's one I'm terrible at but what about journaling you could journal uh, your prayer you could journal what you've read uh, you can journal what you believe the Bible is saying um, you know this what about active obedience to God thinking how can I serve others how can I love God what task could I do um, to, to actually serve God in that way see there's, there's many ways that we can practice uh, the coming to Jesus Uh, So that this doesn't just become an academic exercise. You know, what you believe about God intellectually will not sustain you. What you believe about God intellectually will not help you to answer the question, what am I to do when I don't know what to do? And so what happens is many of us turn to the Bible and prayer and fasting and obedience and deep contemplation only when... Our life blows up and so what happens is then we go, quick, I need prayer, I need the Bible, I need to travail, I need to pray. If you know what travail means, you've been a Christian for a long time. I need to intercede, I need to do all of these things, but they've never been a part of our practice through daily life. Uh, We need to be those who before the chaos hits, we are reading God's word, taking our time, reminding ourselves of the gospel. That you are not saved by works, but you are saved by grace. And that even if this life goes terribly for you, and I don't believe it has to. You know, we don't self-inflict suffering. We don't glorify suffering. You know, there are many things we can do to relieve and and help us through suffering. Uh, but even if this life was to go terribly for you, if you come to Christ, you have an incredible eternity. You have a, an incredible Future And I don't know about you, but when I feel like I don't know what's going on, as I certainly feel from time to time, um, I am reminded that I am to come to Jesus. Uh, he is all we need. We we come to him and he does the rest. Uh, but we just have to put ourselves in close proximity to him. I'm going to pray this morning as we close. Um, because not a single one of us can accomplish what we know we should do without the Holy Spirit's empowering help. Um, We need God and his grace so much. So let's pray wherever you are. Why don't you close your eyes and uh, we're going to pray that God would remind us of his word, that he is the living water. So let's pray together now. Lord of heaven and earth, uh, Lord, we are reminded that you are our creator, that you are the one who uh, is in control of history and historic events, Lord, that it is you who who not only made the world, but God, you are going to steer this world to its safe end. Uh, Lord, you are going to enact your kingdom. You are coming in with an indestructible kingdom, we learned a few weeks ago. And so, Father, this morning, we remind our hearts to submit to you. God, we remind our hearts to not commit one of the two evils we read about in Jeremiah. But God, help us to not forsake you who is the the stream of living waters that we so desperately need. God, we pray for those who are suffering through this time. Lord, they may not even find an answer to their specific needs. But God, I just pray that you would give them a sense of peace that comes without the acquisition of knowledge. That you would encourage their hearts to drink deeply of the presence of God so that they would know that even if they don't know what's going on, Everything will be okay because you are with them. You are their protector. You are our provider. You are our glorious God. Lord, remind our hearts of this because we so often forget. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Awesome. Well, there you go, guys. God bless you. Thank you uh, for joining us. If you've joined us on the live stream or if you're watching this uh, lately, uh, I just... Saw that uh, Fiona has Googled Travail. Thank you. Sometimes my old school Pentecostal comes out. I try to keep it in a box, but every now and again, it, these old words. Lucky I didn't do the Pentecostal two-step. I didn't like it then. I didn't like dancing last week. I probably won't change. Uh, but God bless you guys. Uh, we love you. We miss you. Keep trusting God. Uh, keep Don't don't overconsume all of this information that is out there, but be overwhelmed by his presence and his love for your life. Bless you guys. Have a fantastic week.